Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Callum Wilson. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And as is customary with every episode of the show, you've got to be wearing a Bournemouth shirt while you're listening or presenting. So I'm wearing this season's home shirt. It's got the Premier League badges on it. It's got 17 Joshua King on the back. Oh, he's playing so well. I'm basically wearing the same shirt as you, Sean. It's the red and black stripes. It's the mansion on the front, the Premier League badge. Maybe it's the old one. And it's got the black bar at the top. Okay, I'm wearing last year's shirt, Sean, okay? Has it got 24 Tomlin on it? Afraid not. You're so so old school. What a week it has been, listener. Mel and Sue quit the Great British Bake Off. David Cameron quits as MP for Whitney. Keith Vaz quits from the Home Affairs Committee. Everyone's quitting. Sam, I just need to make sure you're not thinking of leaving me on my own, are you? Ah, Sam's gone. Oh, Oh, real shame. (laughs) Whole show to myself, hey? Well, anyway, I suppose I'd better tell you what is coming up on this week's episode of Back of the Net. We get your fan thoughts after the match last weekend against West Brom, as well as talking about how good it is to be back in the points and for Callum Wilson to be back in the goals. 
Uh, yeah, Sean, I was only joking. I haven't really left. Good to hear how distraught you were. Anyway, after the match review, we'll be checking out the online review, but of course, we'll be squeezing in. Do you remember? As well as that, the Cherries update from in and around AFC Bournemouth in club news. And speaking of do you remember, it usually plays out like this. Sean gives clues. Sam stumbles to an incorrect answer. Sean gives correct answer. Sam crawls under a rock. (laughs) Pretty much, eh? So, uh, yeah, and then we'll round up by previewing Saturday's trip to Manchester City as Bournemouth take on the might of the Sky Blues at the Etihad. However, before all that, let's hear the fans' opinions of Saturday's match at Dean Court versus the Baggies. But we start with a summary of the game from Five Lives' Alistair Bruce Ball. Yes, first win of the season for Bournemouth at the Vitality Stadium here this afternoon. Mark, they beat West Brom by a goal to nil. Important win for them as well. They've got some tough games coming up in the Premier League against Manchester City next and then Everton. And a really special moment for Callum Wilson here, who scored the winner in the 79th minute, just under a year since he last scored for the club, uh, suffering that terrible injury uh, at Stoke early last season. He really did take in the moment after the goal in the celebrations with a huge smile on his face, looking up at the sky. And then his team saw the game out superbly. They didn't give West Brom another sniff. I should mention from the West Brom point of view, Mark, a real dissatisfaction again surfacing from the travelling fans today in the second half. I can't repeat precisely what they were chanting, but let's just say uh, it wasn't very complimentary. Looking at the game, we were far the superior dominance against West Brom and Jalbion, and they just didn't look like a team who were going to score apart from the second half. First 15 minutes, they looked... uh, more aggressive, put more high pressure on, trying to get um, the goal to open the scoreline and that probably would have made it so that we wouldn't come back in the game. But Callum Wilson came on, well he didn't come on, he started. But it's just like so glorious how it was just trickling into the back of the net. Wilson scored an absolutely sick back heel and it's our first three points, so I'm happy with that. I am happy. And then um, we... To be honest, we actually played really well. Moment of the match, a great goal by Callum Wilson. Uh, worthy of winning any football match, and that was a moment in the match. Managers, what one will take out of the game, reflect substitutions. I thought uh, Eddie Howe was a bit lucky, to be fair. I thought uh, Jordan Ibe and Stanislaus were very good, especially on the counter-attack with their pace. All of a sudden, he brought on Gradle and Gosling. Probably got it right. Verdict, big three points for Bournemouth. And a long, long season for West Brom. Wow. Just wow. What a game. I've just come back from the game and my throat is so sore after chanting for like 10 minutes continuously. And it was such a great game. Uh, The first half, you're not going to see a lot of clips from the first half because it was end-to-end and it's quite difficult to record some of the game play, if you put it that way. And there wasn't many chances, so... The second half, though, was just incredible, and we're going to pick up. We've picked up our first three points of the season, which is incredible. Callum Wilson got his first goal of the season, and his first goal after he got injured last season. So that's amazing for him.
And thank you very much to everyone for the fan thoughts there. And you may have heard a famous voice in between all that. It was actually Paul Merson off Soccer Saturday from Sky Sports. But a big thank you to Ross Devonport. He suggested the track Without Me from Eminem with the start that goes, guess who's back? Back again, obviously referencing Mr. Callum Wilson. And if you're not aware, we're doing this for every show. So if you think that there is a particular song that may be apt for Bournemouth's last game, do let us know. But Callum Wilson's superb late goal earned the Cherries' victory over West Brom in our first Premier League win of the season. The striker connected with Adam Smith's cross with a deft flick to put the ball just inside the post with 11 minutes remaining at the Vitality Stadium. Now, Bournemouth had dominated the first half with Wilson forcing West Brom keeper Ben Forster into a double save. Matty Phillips hit the crossbar for West Brom. Arta Boric was on form, but Bournemouth held out very nicely and we ended up 1-0 victors. Great to get those points on the board. Of course, we're now on four points and... Of course, Sean, during the week, there was a lot of anticipation about what's going to happen with the team lineup. We'll also be talking about this in my online review later on in the show. But what were your thoughts at two o'clock when Eddie Howe released the team news? <laughs> well, of course, all the news we were waiting for was, was Jack going to start? I thought he was going to start because he is, you know, we brought him in to play. But I guess in hindsight, thinking back... If he hasn't played much, needs a bit of training, whatever else. And, you know, is it also, is it just a little note from Eddie to the rest of the players that don't expect Wilshire just to walk in and be the superstar? Maybe, you know, I guess um, in terms of the rest of the lineup, Stanislas coming in for Fraser, the only change. Um, I think Stanislas did really well in the cup game against Morecambe. So I think he was returning to to fitness, so I wasn't that surprised really once the lineup was uh, announced, other than was Jack going to play or not? And of course, he wasn't. There was an unchanged lineup apart from Stanislas uh, coming in for Ryan Fraser. Now, Ryan Fraser wasn't even named in the 18, so not too sure what that was all about. But Stanislas claim it, uh, came in. Are you surprised it was him coming in and not maybe someone like Max Gradle? No, I still I still think with Max, we're still waiting for him to absolutely fire. And again, I just, you know, I think actually when Gradle did come on, we can talk about that a little bit later on, I actually thought he looked sharper and and more energetic than we've actually seen him for a few weeks. So again, you know, I think the problem Eddie's got this year, I think, is that with our squad, we have got a better quality squad than we had last year. I mean, I know we had injuries and stuff, but there was still a sense of um, there were the core maybe 13, 14 players that could potentially start. Whereas this year, I think we've got a lot more options, which I think means that Eddie's got to be, you know, his man management's got to be on the ball because there's going to be players that are going to be sitting on the bench that probably are good enough to be playing. So it's quite an interesting mix. So I guess he's got to try and get that right. Stanislas, as I say, coming back in, I think he's been playing well. And um, yeah, I wasn't, I was happy with him coming in. Yes, yeah, so as I said, stay tuned to the podcast because we're going to be airing some of your views and some of them are very interesting indeed. But in terms of the first half performance then, Bournemouth were dominant really, weren't we? We we did dominate possession. Um, shots wise, we didn't really have many now not many were on target at least but we were certainly dominating the ball um does that worry you about 
the way we dominate the game, but maybe don't get the shots on target? Oh, a little bit, but I, uh, you know, you're playing a Tony Pulis side, so you've got to take into account it's West Brom. They are always tough to break down. Um, so I know it's easy to kind of say, oh, we've got all this position, we're not getting shots on target. And yes, I think we do need to make keepers work a little bit harder. But I was really impressed with our first half. I think the I think we passed the ball around quicker than we have done the last few weeks. Right from kickoff, really, it was kind of noticeable that it was just a little bit more zip to our play. When we're passing it through the back line, I felt like we were actually, when we were shifting possession from left to right, which I know we still do a lot, but at least it was just a little bit quicker. You know, with Cook, it was just one touch and then bang, he was knocking it through. The other thing I liked, which um, which we've seen a bit of, but I'm starting to see more, is where King brings the ball forward out of defence. So we're kind of sometimes bypassing those two deep midfielders because I do think that sometimes with Sermon and then Arta drops in, they drop so deep that they kind of drop into a centre-back position without really needing to be there. But seeing Cook driving into the midfield a lot more, it forces one of the opposition players to come out to him and then he can give an easy pass. So I I saw little improvements like that. Um, And as I say, the way we were zipping it around a little bit better. And I mean, it it was a really good first half in terms of we totally dominated them. Wilson... Got very unlucky with uh, with the save, and then when he put the ball over the bar with his little snapshot, ah, oh, it was frustrating, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't actually think it, he expected it to come back to him on the on the last attempt that he put high and wide. I just don't think he could shape his body sort of quick enough. But that, yeah, that was a golden chance, and then he he fell into the side netting, and you could just see the frustration on his face. But he smiled about it. You know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't letting him. Um, it's to sort of get him down. Um, another chance I just wanted to say in the first half, Jordan Ibe, when he cut in from the right, um, his decision-making is still not quite there. I know sometimes he's been guilty of not releasing it, um, and then other times he's you know released it when maybe he should have kept it on and, and ran. Now there was a chance where he cut in on his left and Josh King was just gagging for the ball to be played into him, but he had a shot which was blocked. Um, he certainly... He certainly made up for it, though, I think, with his um, his general sort of overall play. But Jordan Ibe, have you been, uh, what are we, four games in now? What, what have been your thoughts on the uh, on the record signing? Yeah, I think he's um, he's definitely getting better. And, and, and I mean that in a way, he's getting better for the team. I think the technical ability is there. It's just shaping him to, to be a Bournemouth player, really, which... It's just a part of our, our culture, isn't it? And the way we play, we're very much a team and we have a f- set ways of playing. And I think it's good to have some different skill sets coming into that. But at the same time, the, the the thing that still bugs me with him a bit, and this is as as a when you play as a striker, when you've got a guy out wide, it's when you don't know when he's going to release the ball. It gets mm. really frustrating as a striker. And, you know, like when I used to play with Sammy Davis here, the king of the step over and the backflip and the turn, I'd be in the box ready for the ball. And then, no, not yet. No, maybe now. No, not yet. Is it coming in now? You know, and it's in the end, what happens is, is you end up delaying your run or you end up almost not bothering to make the run because you go, well, he's either not going to give it to me or I just don't know when he's going to give it to me. And I still get a sense of that with Ibe that we don't know when he's going to release the ball in the second half. We'll jump forward to that chance where he put the ball through for Wilson and Wilson was just Mm. slightly off it. 
and Foster just gobbled up the ball. At the time, my first thought was, oh, Wilson should have been there. But when you watch the replay back, and I've watched it a fair few times, and you watch Wilson watching Ibe, and you can see in Wilson's eyes, it's just, I don't know when this guy's going to release the ball. There's not that instant, okay, he's going to get it, bang, he's going to give it to me, and then I'm in. And that's the one thing I really want to see Ibe now nailed down, is just that decision-making. So, in the second half... West Brom did certainly step up the gas. Now, arguably, they had better chances throughout the match than AFC Bournemouth did because, I mean, Boric kept us in it at times, didn't he? There was a double save. There was a there was another header from a corner. Honestly, the guy's been sensational for the start of the season for Bournemouth. But um, does that kind of worry you, the sort of clear-cut chances that they had? Yeah, we are still giving, giving good chances. The one right on half-time for Berahino where... He put it mm. over the bar. I mean, Francis totally lost him. He got committed in towards the ball and then suddenly had to change and Berahino was in. Um, I think a couple of the other saves, I mean, they're coming from crosses that are coming in from a corner or whatnot. And, you know, that's West Brom's strength. So, yes, they're going to make chances from there. Um, I think, yeah, more importantly is is the performance of, of the big pole. Um, we knew he could he could play like this. I've, I've never been a Boric hater. I've always liked him and I kind of like his quirky attitude but I think last year I think that attitude just rolled into um, just I'm not going to say laziness because it's not laziness but just seemed a little bit off off the pace in terms of it where his head was at whereas this year he just seems to be a lot more focused now whether that's Federici's been there a year and maybe he's pushing him harder in training. Who knows? Uh, maybe it's... Who knows what it is? But Burrich, we've just got to say, is having, so far, an absolutely storming season, I think. Yeah, uh, just a quick one. Do you remember a programme called Leslie Nielsen's Police Squad? I used to love that programme. I don't know. Um, Boric, I think, could star in that. I don't know why, but it was a little dream I had yesterday. But anyway, that's beside the point. We'll talk more about that later on, OK? Anyway... Should we go on about Jack Wilshire on 60 Minutes? He came on. He did. He finally made his appearance. And I still got to say, I mean, not to be a fanboy, but it's still bloody exciting to see Wilshire on the back of the shirt and seeing him coming out to play. And what I like, because, you know, you couldn't help but just watch him when he came on. And I was kind of intently watching him and his play. What I love about him, and it's just, you can see the qualities there, is the way he drops into space all the time. So if you watch the game back and whatever, just watch Wilshire for like the however long he was on for. He always got himself in that little pocket of space, so he never really had a defender close to him. So he'd have, and he constantly looks over his shoulder, which is, you know, the, the higher, the better you get, the more aware you are of your surroundings, so that when the ball comes to you, you don't need as many touches. And I could just see already that the guy has got that class that I think is a, probably above, you know, something we've seen in a Bournemouth shirt. He was just always available. He'd just drop in five yards away from the centre-backs or he'd pull away from the midfielder, got the ball, nice little touches, really, really impressed. Um, obviously, he made that great chance for Stanislas where the ball's come in, great first touch, as calm as you like, knocks it to him. Part of me was, ah, oh, Junior should be scoring there. Um, Foster did come out. It was a quite a tight angle. I think you probably, in hindsight, you look at it and go, he should have just gone for power over trying to slide it because the angle was so tight. But I really, really already enjoyed seeing 
Wilshire's performance just because of that way he found that space, particularly in front of the back four, which is, I think, a lot of the time we've been missing. Yeah, so just before we talk about that magical 79th minute goal, I've just got to say, you're probably thinking, what was I talking about earlier on? Uh, I was having a, uh, a Twitter conversation with uh, with James, uh, whose shoes shine 1973, and he said, if you get Leslie Nielsen's police squad referred to in the show, I'll buy one of your T-shirts. So uh, you can pop off to the shop now. We'll tell you how to get them later on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was the worst oh ever God. link in the world, Sean. But anyway. I used, let's to, just... I used to love that show. I used to, there was a, a naked gun and all that stuff and uh, I used to always like I know we're getting totally off track now but there's the there's the <laughs> scene in oh, I think it's in Naked Gun isn't it not in Police Squad but the yeah. same thing where there's the firework display and there's uh, Frank Drebbins there as the police officer going move away nothing to see here there's nothing to see here and there's this huge massive explosion going on in the background is, is that enough, James? Is that enough? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Well, speaking of a, a massive firework display, I certainly felt like letting off the pyrotechnics myself oh, after yes. 79 minutes. And we're back. So, we're yeah, back. Thank you. We're back. Um, Adam Smith uh, got the ball. Well, you know, there was a lot of um, interchanging and passing in, in midfield. Dan Gosling nearly gave it away, but then he found Adam Smith on the right, who kind of fired in powerfully. I wasn't actually sure whether Wilson was his intended target or not. But either way, I do like these low, early crosses into the box. Um, Charlie Daniels did it a number of times last season, you know, when Benneke Fobe scored against Norwich, etc. Um, but he played a ball nice and low, really early, found Callum Wilson. And if you see it on TV, obviously the camera's right in O-line, so you just get the perfect angle where with his right foot just guides it. It's obviously intentional. And uh, some people in the main stand, actually, because it's a kind of funny angle at the time on Twitter, they were thinking, you know, is that Smith's goal or was that touch intentional? But you see it and it nestles nicely. Uh, the keeper, Ben Foster, can do nothing about it. And how pleased were you for Callum Wilson? Oh, my God. Went nuts at home. Went absolutely nuts when it went in. Just the quality of the goal and to see to see how it much it meant to Callum as well. Um, what also I just want to go back was... What led up to that goal was some brilliant possession football from us. I was um, my old mate, Rob Frank, who's been on the show a few few times, who's in Sydney. He actually comes over to New Zealand a little bit, and he was around last night for dinner. And so, of course, we watched the game again, as you do, you know, to watch it. And we were counting the passes in the build-up to the goal. Now, there was a sequence of 15 passes initially, which started from Boric, and then... They managed to get a toe in, so we were like, oh, we've got to count again. And then there was nine passes after that. But give or take that little knockoff from, from West Brom, it was about a 24-pass move. Even the commentary I was watching was saying, oh, this is all good and well, this possession from Bournemouth, but is it going to go anywhere? Mm. Yes, it is. It's going in the back of the net, mate, so shut up. That was what I was saying. And then just the yeah, the great finish, great strength. He's armed. He's got his arm up so that Johnny Evans can't get close to him. And great technique to poke it in the corner and as I say to see him going nuts and also to see Maxi Gradle celebrating yeah. as wildly as that after all this talk about oh Gradle's unhappy I think that goal did a, did a lot didn't it and the thing is after the goal went in did you suddenly notice that Wilson just seemed to gain another 20% of energy and just belief mm. and he was charging goal kicks down from the keeper and just that's the Wilson I think we were all waiting to see. And it was, we talked about it the other week about, you know, Wilson's not performing, should he be dropped or whatever. And 
you know, I was saying with the strikers, sometimes you just got to play through it and get that goal. And touch wood, he's back and that's it now. He'll go on a good goal scoring run. Uh, it's funny. I can just imagine a Benicafobe on the bench seeing Callum Wilson score and just thinking to himself, right, you know, that's me on the bench then for another three, four games because that's how it's going to go. But um, yeah, it's good to see that sort of team spirit. It's also nice to see Josh King celebrating with Maxi as well after what looked like a little bit of a fracas at the end of the United game that, uh, you know, that we all saw there. But yeah, it's, um, it's really, you know, that goal hopefully is going to galvanise us. Now, the next match is not an ideal one, but uh, you wanted to mention something about uh, West Brom's Jakob, Sean, didn't you? Oh. You think he should have been sent off. How did that guy stay on the pitch? So mm. there, there's we're breaking away. I think it was with Harry Arter, and then the referee gets in the way of Jakob. So Jakob shoves the referee and then just, you know, petulantly brings down, I think it was Arter. So it's a yellow card. Then the verbal that he gave the ref for the next however many minutes afterwards, it immediately turned away and said at the time, said something to the ref. And then I think it ended up being a goal kick or something. And they were all lining up and the camera was on Jakob and he was probably, what, 10, 10 yards away from the referee, staring him in the face, pointing, swearing at him. Now, the new rules are you can't say anything to the referee because you'll get a yellow card. And I think that's a brilliant, long, long um, overdue rule but he has covered and ticked every box that you need to tick to get a yellow card and then the referee Andrew Marrick calls over the captain um, Fletcher calls over Jakob basically says to him or he can't say tell me all this otherwise I'll give him another yellow card I mean that's not been the rule the rule is if you say anything to the ref you go so I'm amazed that he didn't pick up a yellow and it's that same old thing that a second yellow has to be a worse offence than the first yellow sometimes to get a red card and I was just amazed and watching it back it was like oh my god and then even after he's had a chat to the ref Jakob then still turned around and said something to him I was just amazed there's no way he should have stayed on the field well, that's uh, Bournemouth's first home victory since March. Uh, weirdly, since Tony Pulis uh, took charge, um, West Brom have failed to score in 21 Premier League matches, and that's the joint highest among the current club's division. So Bournemouth ended the game with 64% uh, possession. Now, um, just a quick interlude there. You know, we play our, our musical bed for the fan thoughts. We've just had one in, hot off the press. Uh, James uh, suggested car wash by Rose. Rose Royce as being uh, one of the tracks. I don't even know that one. What and, and his reason was that he would have rather have been washing his car than watching the game. Which <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a, it's quite a, an interesting. One. It's a little bit harsh. I mean, you know, as a I'll go back. It was Tony Pulis. It was West Brom. It was always going to be that kind of game. And also, by the way, uh, we did have a pun come in. Robert Murphy. Here it is. At Blunt Baggies had no answer for cheeky cherry backheel beauty. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good, Rob. Now, we got a bit of stick last week because we allegedly we forgot someone's pun. And I, I'm not sure whether we did or not. And it was it was somebody. So, Sam, just make sure by the end of the show, just have a quick squeeze because we don't like unhappy listeners. Otherwise, we get... Angry of Westbourne emailing us in on the editor's, you know, editor's page saying editor's letters. I'm very unhappy. Yeah, so we try, we try and make everybody happy here. Yeah, and uh, there was also a, a musical suggestion from Tony Maycock, uh, who said, who's 
fat, uh, fat blurk on Twitter. He said, oh, I do like to be beside the seaside, which would have been good because we all know how it finishes telling West Brom to go away. But Sean, what have we got next on the show? Well, next, Sam, it's your weekly dose of let's check if Sam knows anything about AFC Bournemouth because this is where we bring up a player from the past in my quiz, Do You Remember? This player was born on the 19th of September 1979 in Guernsey and the Channel Islands and turned professional in 1998 for Portsmouth, although didn't make his playing debut for Pompey until 2001. Prior to making that Pompey debut, he went on loan to both Havant and Waterlooville and then Newport Isle of Wight. His first contact with AFC Bournemouth came in 2000 when he trained with the side under Sean O'Driscoll and he did feature for the reserve team but he wasn't taken on so returned to Pompey. He eventually signed for the Cherries on loan in the 2002-2003 season and went on to make 14 appearances for the club. He was a goalkeeper who probably was most famous for his chant, which referenced the fact that the name on his shirt originally had one too many Fs in it. Okay, there you go, folks. This week's Do You Remember? I reckon the uh, chant clue is going to give it away. But, you know, this is Sam Davis. Who knows? Sam, any idea at this point? Nope, nope, no idea at all. Let's move on. Oh, no, go on. Go on. You know when you're, uh, you hear the clues and you're so focused on a particular player and you think, yep, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I'm sure it ticks the box. Yep. And then you say he's a goalkeeper. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes. who is it? Who yes. is it? So... Because of that, I've now got no idea. I'm going to be going back through these clues um, during the next couple of features. So uh, I'm hoping that I can get it right by the end of the show, Mr. Barker. So you're going to be popping off into your news booth soon to bring us the latest club news. And, dear listener, there may be a pun or two. But first, here's my online review. So as we discussed in our previous show, Cherries fans considered it a massive coup to have a player like Jack Wilshire playing for our club, international experience and a wealth of Premier League know-how. As well as this, the positive vibes continued after a decent showing against Serie A club AC Milan in Warren Cummings' testimonial, and in particular, an outstanding performance from attacker Lise Mousset. 
So, with our first point of the season on the board at Crystal Palace, and with a full two weeks to forget that unfortunate last-minute equaliser for the Eagles, everyone was very much looking forward to Saturday, when Bournemouth entertained West Brom, in what was a great opportunity to register our first win of the season. So, with a number of players to choose from, Eddie Howe's 2pm lineup was hotly anticipated. Fans were refreshing, pulling down, reloading, control and R, F5ing it, checking tweets and listening to the radio. Will Jack start? Will Mousset have a place? So many questions, so much excitement. Tick tock, tick tock. It's 2pm and the teams are in. Kev, thank you. Very good afternoon to you. Well, the one name that everybody wants to know is uh, whether Jack Wiltshire's starting. He isn't. He's only amongst the Cherry substitutes today. There's one change from Eddie Howe from that team that drew at Crystal Palace two weeks ago. Junior Stanislas comes into the side. He replaces Ryan Fraser, the Scottish under-21 international, not even in the Cherries' 18 today. Well, the lineup was interesting, to say the least. Whilst the back four and goalkeeper effectively picked themselves, there were a lot of disgruntled Cherries fans who were flummoxed by the midfield five. No Wilshire in the starting eleven. No Mousset in the squad. No Cook in the squad. What's going on? Well, over on Twitter, people were quick to voice their disapproval. John Neptune on Twitter. Hashtag Meltdown. Stuart Bramley said, stand by for Twitter meltdown. Arnold Savoie said, completely underwhelmed by Eddie's team selection today. Where's Mousset? Where's Cook? And Big Fat Ollie said, AFCB on the face of it, mystifying team selection. But I will reserve judgment until after the game. Jack Bunce chipped in with, why Mark Pugh isn't ever in the squad? I just don't know. And Ryan Griss 66 on Twitter said, It's as if the starting lineup is picked by a Tombola winner every week. Sam Summers piped up, No, Ake, I love you, Eddie, but go away. And then Minty said, Wilshire only on the bench. I hope that's down to lack of fitness stroke sharpness, or I will really start to question our selection policy. So there were a number of tweets from Bob Gallimore, Tom Kendall, Josh Brown, Samuel J. Roots. Everyone was chipping in with their own opinion, the latter of which said, Sorry, AFCB fans, Eddie Howe has more brains and knowledge to pick the best 11 than you do. Don't be fickle and trust the club's best asset. Toby Coulter said, Howe out. Hopefully that was in sarcasm. But UTC, in all departments, gave a more considered response by saying, Think I'll give Twitter a miss for a bit whilst everyone calms down about the team selection. Not everyone was calmed down. FFS Boric, absolutely fuming. Lineup shows no ambition. Stanislas and Sermon over Wiltshire and Gradle. F off. So, let's see what happens. Still in the first half and it's nil-nil. Shoeshine 1973 said, 30 minutes played and I think we've had about 120% possession. Jamer Silvo over on Twitter said, Only a Pulis team can start time-wasting from 20 minutes on the clock. Embarrassment. Mark Sinkinson on 35 minutes said, Foster's only here for the point. Paul Wickin said, Ibe is seriously giving Galloway the runaround here. Cherries are completely dominant. However, even after 38 minutes, there wasn't a single Cherries shot registered. And Ollie, check out his YouTube channel, by the way, that's OLPM FIFA, said, Take the shot! 
So at half-time it was nil-nil and then in the second half West Brom started to put on the pressure. Over on the forums and on the blogs, people were saying, feel sick, this was Patrick Sullivan. He said, I know the inevitable is coming. But on 60 minutes, things started to brighten up a minute. Alex Crook, Jack Wilshire is about to come on for AFCB, and he indeed was involved in one of the manoeuvres that gave Junior Stanislas a chance on goal. King Leggett tweeted, Stanislas, why didn't you bury that? But there were a few odd decisions, even in the second half from Hal, as Phil Watkins said, we take a right winger off for a CM, and then 15 minutes later, we put a right winger on. Eddie's lost it. But then, this happened. I want to go a 1-0 ball with Jeff. Smith gets the ball on the right-hand side, and you think, what's he going to do? He, he stops the ball, and he goes, goes, takes it on his right, and he smashes it across the goal. And as he smashes it across... Callum Wilson just does a little kind of carnu where he little flick behind himself into the far corner of the goal. What a goal, worthy of winning any football match. 1 0. said he's back little pig AFCB cheeky goal get in there Wilson lad Eric Hull Callum's back what a goal and Lewis Gervy on Twitter and breathe finally I can watch match of the day tonight massive massive win so as 5pm came and went Phil Watkins went back on his earlier comment and said Eddie got it right we got it wrong Rick Broadbent said, Massive win for the Giants of AFCB against the Titans of Baggyland. Huge, enormous, gargantuan. Much needed too. But in terms of Callum Wilson, many fans were pleased, including Mr. PA man Mike Botto. So, so pleased for Callum. Must have feared at times that winners like that might not come again. One hell of a shift capped off nicely. And the AFC Bournemouth central defender-in-waiting Tyrone Mings also said, Fully deserved. Congrats on your first goal back from injury, Callum. Well, it certainly doesn't get any easier for Bournemouth because on Saturday we're up against the might of Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium. How's that going to go? Hopefully not a drubbing again. Wilson flicks a V for victory. As Callum Wilson skillfully backflicked the ball into the net on Saturday, he finally signalled his return to goal-scoring form after the horrific knee injury he suffered early on last season. Wilson was sidelined for six months, having scored five goals in six appearances, but since his return to action towards the end of last season, he had gone eight games without getting back amongst the goals. Wilson told the Daily Echo, It means everything. I am always upbeat. I knew I would score eventually. It was just a matter of waiting and trying to pick up my performances rather than focus on the goals. And the jubilation was clear to see on Wilson's face as he celebrated his winning goal in front of the North Stand and here's hoping this will kickstart a similar goal-scoring run to 12 months ago. All 
good mings come to those who wait. Much like Callum Wilson, Saitoran Mings has also had to wait patiently for his return to first team action. Mings, a new signing last season, was cruelly injured just six minutes into his Cherries debut versus Leicester last year and unfortunately has suffered several setbacks during his recovery. However, the former Ipswich player did finally make a playing return last week in the Warren Cummins testimonial versus AC Milan and it is thought that he is now not far off a Premier League return. It gets harder and harder to choose the man of the match. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. It was a tale of two Arters this weekend as Harry Arter and Arter Boric shared the man of the match plaudits following the victory over West Brom. In the last few minutes of the game, Mike Botto announced Harry as the match sponsor's man of the match, which did get questioned by many given Boric's outstanding display. Fortunately, the fans did then get their chance to vote through the club's official shirt sponsor, Mansion, which runs a poll after every game. This time, it was the other Arta who got the award following the online voting. Slow news day? Perhaps. AFC B Club News. So thank you very much, Mr. Barker. You can take off your AFC Bournemouth tie now because that was a great news bulletin there. You did some good puns as well, I've got to say. Wilson flicks a V for victory. Yeah, it's good, eh? Because you, you, when you say flicks a V, you're like, what? He like swore at the crowd and then, ah, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, all good mings come to those uh, who wait. I, I'm just going to say that's top three. That is top three punnage. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Um, what about this one? It takes Arta and Arta to no, choose no, the man of the no, match. What, no. what, what, what it, is this? You're not even saying it right. It gets, it was basically, instead of saying Arta, you're saying, it's like, harder. It's, it's like harder? saying, yeah, like saying harder. It gets harder and harder to, it's, it's so awful, awful, awful work. Mm. Um. Yeah. Well done, Sean. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Pat on the back for you. Not condescending whatsoever. Um. No. Really. Very good. Bravo. And speaking of bravo, this is another one of my classic links. He will be goalkeeping for Manchester City on Saturday. Oh my goodness! I can't help myself. That's two in the show, Sean. Um. Interestingly, they played last night. Now they played Borussia Mönchengladbach, and. Here's their starting lineup. Okay, I'm just going to go through it. It was Bravo, Zabaleta, Otamendi, Stones, Kolarov, Fernandinho, Jesus Navas, De Bruyne, uh, Gundogan, uh, Sterling, and Aguero. Quite a strong side. Um, you've got to assume that they're going to be playing a very full strength side again when they play Bournemouth on Saturday, surely. You'd think so, although the fact that their game got delayed by 24 hours because of the weather. It does mean they have a day less to prepare for us, which I think is good. Also, if there's any knocks from any players or any niggles, then again, I think maybe they'd be more inclined to rest them against us. Uh, Just looking at now, because actually the game's going on as we're recording, and 15 minutes gone, and City are one up. Aguero scored after eight minutes, so um, obviously he won't be playing, which will be a good thing. Um, the, The more terrifying thing is I watched that Man United Man City game, and it was a great game of football. But 
boy, City are good. Oh, my yeah. word. Like, especially that first half. I mean, the just absolutely destroyed United and made them look incredibly average. Now, partly, I think, with the whole United thing, or oh, they were, I think, slightly flattered to deceive early on. No disrespect to us, but, you know, they they put us away. But we're not a Man City. And when United came up against City, it was just a total different class. And it looks like Pep's already got them firing. Yeah, now, if you uh, were on a different planet uh, last Saturday, it was a lunchtime, it was a 2-1 to Man City, and it was De Bruyne who, who made a cool finish, and then Inacio who had a tap-in, um, and, well, they dominated for the first 45 minutes. Now, they did kind of uh, make a few little mistakes in the second half, they weren't so great, and also and also the keeper uh, effectively gifted Ibrahimovic um the goal to make it 2-1 just before half time which i've got to say was not an easy finish by any stretch of the imagination the way that ibrahimovic took it um was very was very good but man united did mount an aerial siege in front of the stretford end but city held firm and um they did actually come closest to scoring actually anyway when de bruyne struck the upright but uh, is it going to be one of those matches sean uh, we we don't want this this season do we we don't want the five ones the four nils the six ones w- what are you expecting i know but i think again uh, we've got to accept the fact that the big teams are even stronger than they were last year i think is the reality i think this game is going to be incredibly tough for us and i don't think we should be really basing much on what happens because as from what we've seen so far city are just an absolute class above so from our perspective what do we do to try and counter that i think we've got a lot more energy than man united have i think united gave city far too much time on the ball they weren't really pressing them when they did it was a bit half-assed I think um, we've got to have high energy levels. We've got to get at them. And we've surely we've got to play three in the middle. Um, the whole trying to play four against the big sides. I think Eddie was quoted as saying he'd learnt a lot from last season. I'm pretty sure in one of his press conferences, it might have been at the start of the season, I think he, he admitted that they kind of accepted that against some of the bigger sides, they can't play the type of formation we want to play which is more kind of with the four and two strikers up. So uh, Wilshire, I think, will I, I think Wilshire will start. I would be very, very surprised if he didn't start. The only consideration for him maybe not starting was if Aki came in and Aki and Sermon became the holding midfielders with um, Arter in front, which we saw those two play together, Sam, when, when I was back in England for the Valencia game. And um, I think they did a really good job at, at holding us tight in the middle when we came a tight three. So that's the only possible switch. I, I think Stanislas mm. will come out for that extra midfielder. I think, um, but other than, and then King yeah. will go out to the left. I will stay on the right. I think they'll stay because they we can catch teams on the break with the quicker guys. But for me, that shape in the middle is going to be really, really important. And then we have to cross our fingers and we have to hope they miss a load of chances. Boric plays really well and we get a couple of goals. Yeah, that's effectively what's going to have to be. I think you're right, actually, with regards to the midfield three. I'm thinking Arta, Sermon and Wilshire, um, and King and Ibe um, on the wings. Of course, Callum up front. Um, yeah, I mean... Whether Aki's gonna, get, I mean, he wasn't even in the starting uh, squad. I, I don't think for the last game. So who knows? But uh, predictions-wise, it's a very tough one to call. I mean, uh, 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those games like kind of Chelsea last season. I'd love to think it could be one of them, but Man City are no Chelsea this season. They aren't dropping points left, right and centre. They are a class apart. You know, Guardiola's got them playing great football. Um, They are faster, they're quicker, they're more dynamic. Oh, do we want to get a bet against AFC Bournemouth? I don't know. I would be 2-0. I'm going to say 2-0, Sean, to Manchester City. And I hate myself for saying it, but um, let's be realistic. 2-0. Yeah, I'm going to be realistic. I think it's going to be 4-1. From what I've seen, honestly, and that's no disrespect to our lads, I've just been so impressed with City so far. And, yeah, I just think it's going to be a tough day at the office. I think we'll learn from it, and I think we'll take that forward when we come up against other big clubs. But, yeah, I, sorry, sorry, listener, I don't think it's going to be a happy day at the office. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So that's it for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. And how nice it is to hear Mike Botto's voice. I'm usually used to hearing it on a Saturday or a or a Tuesday night, but we've got him here on the podcast as well, Sean. His dulcet tones, eh? <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks, Mike. I love that. Good work. Now, Sam, I've got to ask you, for weeks and weeks, you've been bleating on about this predictor score competition. Uh, is this for next season? Because it just seems it's never <laughs> starting. We've got we've got about twenty eight thousand people signed up, and what's going on? Come on, we've got a load of people signed up. Look, like these are my excuses, right? End of end of August, I was getting married in Greece. I was away. Blah, it was blah, my blah, yeah blah. yeah. It was my birthday three blah, days ago. Blah, I'm blah. I'm now in my mid thirties. Oh, happy birthday, officially. by the way. Sorry, happy birthday, Sam. Sam. Yeah, thank you very much. Where's your little? No, you haven't got it, have you? Where's the party poppers? No, he's not got them either. Um, Yeah, so it's been very busy, but uh, people are going to be getting their logins very, very soon. If you want to register, you can still do so. I did say that they could register up until the West Brom game. Um, It's going to be closed off very soon. Um, You do do 25 matches throughout the season. There are enough left, so don't worry about that. Um, We're just looking to get as many people involved. And as I said, someone can get a back-of-the-net t-shirt if they register because we're going to be picking a name out the hat it's a real fun competition get involved afcbpodcast.com forward slash predict and i promise i'll get it set up soon so stop badgering me okay yeah rubbish you know what this feels like sam this feels like you're just delaying this the delaying tactics it's much like our lads wilson and grado on saturday where for seemed like 18 minutes they kept the ball in the corner and just kind of whittled the time away it was reminiscent of Jason Brissett and the glory days of Brissett in the last minute but that's what it feels like it feels like you're just in the corner there and you're going yeah predictor score yeah predictor score make it happen my friend make it happen folks I'll keep on to him now one way to uh, make Sam uh, get stuff done is through hard cash and uh, yeah it's because you know he he has this excuse where oh sorry I'm really busy tonight because I've got work and I've got to pay off the wedding and so listener this is look let's club together go to the website afcbpodcast.com now there's two options either forward slash donate and you can donate some money to um, help keep the show going on a serious note it does actually take a lot to put the show together and we have to make 
it, it costs us financially for the, the hosting and for the equipment and for the calls when we do interviews and blah, 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 plus our time, you know, because otherwise Sam's like, sorry, Sean, I'm actually going to earn some money tonight, so I can't, you know, do the do the show that we're meant to be doing. <laughs> anyway, if you don't just want to give money because, you know, you don't feel that way inclined and you'd like to get something for your bang for your buck, go to afcbodcast.com forward slash shop and purchase the amazing Eddie Had a Dream t-shirt, which are being printed as we speak. So if you placed an order, they are being printed and they will be with you in the next week, hopefully. Um, so they're being pressed and ironed. They'll be, And then Sam's just going to rub a little bit of his scent on the shirt for you. Um, but one, you get to have a cool t-shirt. And two, it really does help us financially. And as I said, the, the, the prize, um, special prize, is the first person to be spotted on TV for, here in New Zealand, me watching the game. If I can see you you in the crowd clear as day ideally close up wearing our shirt you get a special prize sean you're actually making me belly laugh today which is a first well done um by the way um also if you want to um twitter or tweet me sam davis uk that's without the e sam davis uk and you're a business um send me a tweet i've got a little proposition for you in terms of sponsoring the show um it will be worth your while okay um by the way if you want to subscribe to us do do that because it means that every show we we do will automatically appear on your ipod your tablet your iphone whatever um you can do it on youtube as well and via mixcloud hit the subscribe button and then every time we do a show it's available through all sorts of means uh it will just land directly and do tell your friends as well sean have you told your friends i've told all my friends good good well that certainly wraps it up for another episode of afc bournemouth's podcast <laughs> <laughs> see sam see this he's just doing all this on purpose listener see if, if he had if he had substantial cash we need a Russian billionaire of this show. I reckon your performances would drastically improve. Sam, leave it to me. You just go and uh, do your predictor score. Go and do your coding. This has been... You ready? This is how you say it, Sam. You've Where's been listening. Where's the auto-cue? Oh, there's no... You're ruining my big line. Ready, Sam? Go on. Thanks for listening. You've been listening. Oh, no, even now I'm messing it up. <laughs> Rubbish. Let's just get out. ASC Bournemouth. It's, it's a radio show podcast. It's, he's called... I think he's called Steve. I'm called Johnny. We'll be back maybe in a few weeks. Hold the ending. Hold the ending. What? What? Oh, no. We haven't done Do You Remember? Oh, God. We're awful. I'm really sorry, listeners. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just £2 a week can guarantee professionalism. So bad. Sean and Sam on back of the net. Oh, my word. Right. Okay. Um, This is the end of the show. Sam, I'm not even going to ask if you know who it was because I know you've got no idea I'm just going to sing the chant to you. One F in Tardif. There's only one F in Tardif. Chris Tardif. Chris Tardif. There we go. Because his shirt, he had T-A-R-D-I-double-F, and then they peeled it off, but you could still see it, hence the chant. <sighs> Sam, is there, is there anything else? we've? I bet we've forgotten people's puns. I bet you've played the wrong music. We're probably talking about the wrong game. I bet we're not even playing Man City next. I think oh. I think we've just about got it all covered for once, Sean. All right. I'm out. Drops Mike. Walks off disgusted <laughs> with the performance. It is Callum Wilson.
top flight win. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.